calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Joining me is Willis Sparks. Hello and welcome. Hello. So a little bit about Willis. Um, you have a geopolitical background, uh, and that comes from you having been the director of global macro at Eurasia Group, where you focus on global political risks specifically, as well as U.S. politics and elections. I'm guessing right. you had an interesting fall. This is the fancy way of saying that unlike most of the people I work with, I don't cover one country or one region. I'm expected to be able to talk about 20 different countries without necessarily being a specialist in any of them. Sounds like fun to me. Definitely it is. fun. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you also work directly with Eurasia Group's president on macro political risk projects. And you worked previously at uh, one of my favorite sources of uh, News Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. So first question for you, uh, should every investor be paying attention to geopolitics, and if so, why, and if not, why? Absolutely, they should be paying attention to geopolitics. Right. Um, Particularly if you're trying, if you're invested in emerging market countries, not just emerging markets, but I would say especially emerging market countries, because these markets are less mature, their institutions are less mature, politics has a much bigger influence on market outcomes in those kinds of countries. Now, having said that, having been through the financial crisis, which we were just talking about off camera in yes. 2008, and everything that's happened in Europe since then, it is very clear that from the moment that President Obama decided, should I bail out the auto industry or not, and all the decisions that have been made in Brussels over the last decade, politics is also playing a big role in shaping markets in the, the wealthy world as oh, well. Indeed, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a complicated issue, and you really have to look at it issue by issue, market by market, but absolutely politics are increasingly important for both developed and emerging market countries. Yeah, in fact, uh, a guest earlier here on stage, we were discussing the fact that back in the day, if you read the Wall Street Journal, most of the headlines were all company-specific headlines. That's and now right. the front page is entirely geopolitics, but almost no company news unless it's Apple or Google or Or something Amazon. unusual. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So, so is geopolitics, in your mind, a source more of alpha? Can you actually harvest alpha for it? Or is it, oh, I only need to pay attention for risk management purposes? It's both. Yeah. There is alpha in it if you, your better understanding than your competition gives you a competitive advantage. If you have a refined understanding of political risk, where it's exaggerated and where it's underappreciated, you have a competitive advantage. But in terms of risk management, it's also important because we're in a world right now where if you just run through the list of huge changes that we've seen in the world over the last 10 years, um, you know, it, it's only natural that it's going to shape both the investment and the business environment in really every market in the world. So. 
I'm a big fan of scenario planning relative to forecasting. I think yeah. forecasts can only be wrong. They're almost never right. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that a failure. I would say it's a failed tool. I mean, should investors be scenario planning politics or forecasting? What's your thought on I'm that? I'm with you on scenario planning. Forecasting is important. You know, people want to know that stuff. And it's not just who's going to win the election. It's what are the next polls going to show? Because there are a lot of investors who make money off of the campaign more than they do off the actual election. Sure. So forecasting specific outcomes is important. But again, going back over the last 10 years, we've had the worst financial crisis in 80 years. We've had a sovereign debt crisis in Europe so severe that it called the entire future of the Eurozone into question. You've had the Arab Spring upheaval across the Middle East and North Africa. You've had a migrant crisis into Europe that set off a whole nother European crisis. Ukraine and Russia are fighting a war with one another. Britain has voluntarily voted to leave the EU. And then there's Donald Trump. And so, you know, you put that all together, we do live in a volatile world in which the most important thing that I can tell you and tell investors generally in this world right now is everyone would be wise to devote time, money, people, and energy to studying outcomes that you're pretty sure are not going to happen because some of them are going to happen. And if you, if you know which ones to prepare for and you pick the right ones, you may only be right two out of seven times, but you're beating the competition right. because you're thinking outside the box. And this is a world for thinking outside the box. Yeah, I agree. And another nice thing about scenario planning versus forecasting is oftentimes the response to a scenario is the correct response, even if the cause of the stimulus on the front end is wrong. So classic example, people prepared for Y2K. Right. What if the markets go down? Right. Well, over September 11th, right. that was an important thing. Y2K came and went and people made fun of the scenario planners. Right. But those who did all of that preparation were ready for an event that was similar in effect, if not cost. You're absolutely right. And the company that I work for, Eurasia Group, no matter what outcome we're trying to predict in a pure forecasting way, we do plenty of writing about what if we're wrong. What are the signposts that you should be watching right. for this or that issue to tell you that we're either on the base case that we were expecting or things are not going the way we thought? But, you know, Brexit and the election of Trump are great examples where we said, you know, the other side of this is we didn't think Trump was going to win. We were wrong about that. But we had done enough writing about what would happen if Trump did win. What would that mean domestically in the U.S.? What would a Trump foreign policy look like? What would a Trump energy policy look like? That even though we were wrong with our forecast, our clients were well prepared by the scenarios that we ran of, hey, look, we're going to be wrong some of the time. Everybody's going to be wrong. If they're making real bets, you're going to be wrong sometimes. Be prepared to be wrong and to be ready to act. You know when that when the other outcome happens. So you and I talked before we came on. We were, I was going to ask you about hotspots. I still want to ask you about hotspots, but it seems as if maybe another way to get <laughs> at this same, yeah. same sort of issue is since sometimes it's a, it's a it's a lukewarm spot, but it can become a hotspot. So right. rather than ask you that right. question, in Europe, like what what are some of the things you're trying to pay attention to right now in that region? Um, Brexit must be preeminent in your mind. No, actually no. no. Oh, so well, with Brexit us. does matter for the value of the British currency, yeah. obviously. But Brexit is a slow burn. Yeah. Brexit's going to take years. Yeah. So, you know, we're, you know, for people that have a shorter term outcome, we're saying, of course, you should follow Brexit. But don't get too caught up in the rhetoric now because that's going to change. There are other longer term issues like is Emmanuel Macron going to be able to govern in France? You've got uh, parliamentary elections coming up on the 11th and the 18th of June to see whether Macron is going to have enough allies elected to the upper and lower house of France's parliament 
to actually advance an agenda. And if he doesn't, well, the Le Pen voters on the right and the Mélenchon voters on the left are still going to be there. Sure. More nearer term, there are two issues that I would highlight. Yeah, yeah. Italy. We've gone from asking whether the, the very anti-EU populist five-star movement can finish first in an election to whether they can maybe actually form a government. We still don't think that, we think they can finish first. We still don't think that they can form a government, but we're less confident about that than we were even a few weeks ago. Right, interesting. Italy is a case to watch, and here's another, and here's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Longer term. We all remember 2015, we had a migrant crisis in which well over a million desperate people entered the boundaries of the European Union. And a lot of the populism and the, the right and left wing parties, particularly right wing parties, saw an enormous surge in their popularity in response to people going, oh my, will this ever end? Sure. Okay, that slowed down enormously in 2016. 90% of the flow stopped because there were barricades put up in the Balkans, but also because the EU and Turkey made a deal. Turkey would keep a lot more of those refugees inside Turkey. The EU would send them money to help right. pay for that. Sure. And there are also other elements of the deal. That deal will probably hold. But talk about scenario planning. We all need to prepare for a world where, what if that deal doesn't hold? Sure, sure. Erdogan just won a referendum to give himself more power, changing the constitution in Turkey to give himself more power. He won a very narrow victory. He doesn't actually get that power until he wins a presidential election. Given how close the referendum was, and given the fact that he thinks he got a lot of mileage out of referring to European governments as Nazis, Expect a lot of friction in Turkey-EU relations. We believe the migrant deal will hold. It's in the interests of both sides, but watch out. One scenario you want to pay attention to, a kind of worst case, is if that deal falls apart and you have a whole new migrant surge into Europe, you know, that that's an issue that I think we should pay super, attention to. Yeah, super interesting point. Uh, uh, I've been following the Turkish story for quite some time. Yeah. I, uh, Erdogan's sort of rise to power indicates to me he has an exceptionally long-term plan about governance and how essentially <laughs> yeah. to, to exert his will on the people. So let's, since we're right at the Bosphorus there, uh, we're sort of straddling Europe and Asia. Let's switch to Asia. Um, are, what, what are you watching in Asia in terms of bubbling? South China Sea? We're watching China the sea? whole other end of Asia. Yeah. Yeah, South China Sea has gotten a little bit more interesting because... Um, you know, we've got another one of these thin-skinned, unpredictable leaders in the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte, who's been saying lately, we want to drill for oil. We had a court ruling go in our favor against the Chinese. Duterte said last week, hey, the Chinese are warning us that, that there will be a war if we drill for oil. Now, the Chinese need stability this year because there is a big political transition happening in China this fall. Five of the seven members of the Standing Committee of the Politburo, the seven most powerful people in China, five of them are going to rotate out. China has an interest in keeping things on a on a slow and burn. Their, and their tendency is to try and put that in motion or that, that stability many months in advance. They're a so risk, already they are a risk-averse country. They prepare in advance. It is not in their interest to see trouble in the South China Sea. So let's talk about the issue which they have a demonstrated limited ability to control North Korea. Yeah. This is not a situation, a lot of, it's natural to say, oh, we've heard the North Korea story for years. They make a lot of noise. We give them a little more money, a little more food, a little more fuel. They go quiet. They get nice for 20 minutes. <laughs> then they start saber rattling again. They test right. more. It's different now. Yeah. 
We can photograph from space their technological progress, first of all, in creating an intercontinental ballistic missile right. that eventually will hit the west coast of the United States, right. and their ability to miniaturize a nuclear warhead that they could put on top of it. Right. Sure. That's not a circle. That is a linear progression. We are getting closer to the day. Barack Obama in the Oval Office with Donald Trump during the transition spent a lot of time talking to President, in, you know, President-elect Trump right, sure. about North Korea. He said, this is going to be big for you. Yeah. And it may not be a 2017 problem, but China doesn't have perfect control over what happens there, as we've seen. And Donald Trump, you know, is really pushing hard. He's trying to improve relations with China because he knows he needs China's help. If that doesn't yield dividends and he's unpopular by the fall and U.S.-Chinese relations go south, that's a that's definitely a story to watch. And it's also a longer-term story to watch, which we can get into if you want to talk about longer-term scenarios. Well, because yeah. the Because whatever happens to North Korea, even if it's the most benign scenario, which is it just implodes, and outside power, some group of outside powers go in to try to clean up that mess, whether it's a Korean reunification or whether some reconstituted North Korea that's a lot tamer, that is under more direct Chinese control. Either way, the cost of cleanup is going to be historic. Yeah, I and agree with you. it's not clear who's going to pay for it. It's not quite the north, uh, it's not the east and west Germany. It's not Germany. Here, yeah. Because... First of all, East Germany was much closer to West Germany in terms of both population and prosperity in 1990. Sure. You know, you're talking about North Korea, one of the most isolated backward economies in the world, and South Korea, one of the most dynamic, automated, modern digital age economies sure. in the world. And a vibrant culture as well, which vibrant is radically culture. different. There's 20 million North Koreans that are going to be completely lost sure. when they emerge into this new world. They're not just labor inputs. They are people that are not going to know how to live in a new world. And somebody's got to pay to try to create enough parity of prosperity between North and South Korea to create a stable peninsula. It's going to take 40 or 50 years. And who's going to pay? Unknown. So I was right. going to ask you about North America, but I have another question I want to get in because we're uh, running short on time. Sure. Um, what skills and mindsets do you think uh, somebody who wants to understand politics, geopolitics, you need? What's the skill sets? I'm guessing it's not the ability to work Excel and do a forecast. I can't, I can't work Excel at all. Yeah. If, if it depended on Excel, I'd be doing something different. Um, I think that there's two answers to that question. Sure, sure. One is about thinking outside the box. I've already made that point. Yeah. Is thinking about the stuff that everyone says, look, that's just not going to happen. Most of those things are not going to happen. A few of them are. And having the imagination, that's important. Now, here's another one that I think is really important. No matter what country you live in, but especially in the United States, we live in a partisan, polarized society. It is impossible for two grown-up adults to talk about Donald Trump without it becoming clear within four seconds whether they think he's a monster or the answer to all our problems. <laughs> right, or, exactly. you know, or, yeah. I, or they voted for him even though they don't think he's yeah. the answer. Whatever. You have to be able to get past partisan politics. Yeah. You have to be able to drill down into what's actually happening, why is it happening, 
You have to put your prejudices aside, which is a full-time job. I can tell sure, you sure. from my own perspective, I have to set aside my own opinions yeah. sometimes and look afresh at issues that I have strong opinions about. We have to be able to do that. And it's a question not just of ability, but of willingness. The willingness to say, I'm going to tune out all this noise and I'm going to try and look at this as objectively as I can. Because for our clients, if you want to know about the investment environment or the business environment, you don't care who I voted for. You don't care if I'm registered to a party. I'm not, by the care way, if I'm you're independent. Accurate. Care if you're accurate. They care if we're right. Yeah. Or they care about whether we're preparing them for the right scenarios. Sure. So whether I hear, forecasts are right or wrong. So if I hear you, creativity is must, right? Divergent creativity. Thinking you have to be able to the bust, bust outside those norms. But you also have to be flexible. You certainly have to be flexible. You have to be, you know, when you're wrong, as I was about Trump, I yeah. was very wrong about Trump. I made a speech on election day in front of 700 people where I said Hillary Clinton's going to win. It's not a lock, but, you know, I was 75%. I think so I have to cut you off. I'm so sorry. That's We're right. Right at the end of the break. But question your assumptions all the time and be rigorous about Exactly. It. Yeah. Willis, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so I much. Really it's a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Copyright 2017, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.